0: the Bible Live is your opportunity to listen to the Bible, a 15 to 20 minute reading every weeknight, the entire Bible every year. Now, here's the host of the Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout on this annual excursion through the Word, Soapy Dollar.
2: Yes, indeed. Here we are. Thank you, Kevin Bell. And a very... Special thanks to our board operator, my engineer, Jackie Pena. Thank you, Jackie, for getting us all set up tonight for our time in the Scriptures. We are in the Gospel of Luke. We will be finishing this portrait drawn for us, written for us by Dr. Luke, a first century physician. We will be finishing this Gospel here in the next couple of programs. Then we'll be going back to the Old Testament picking up where we left the people of Israel and their adventures and their journey of faith, picking them up as they move from the time of the Judges. After the time of Joshua, then there was this 325-year period of the 12 Judges. We read about them in the books of Judges and Ruth, and we'll be going back now to the books of First and Second Samuel. Originally one book, but divided when the books were translated into Greek. So we will be going back there to this transition person, Samuel, transition from the time of the judges to the time of the kings. Well, first, let's get on through the book of Luke in the New Testament. We have followed Jesus throughout his life and ministry, a very detailed approach, very much human-oriented view, seeing his human side as a man of faith. We have observed him and admired him and stood in awe of the power of his obedience and submission to the Father so perfect, and he did it on our behalf. Well, we'll pick up in chapter 20 tonight, but right now let's go to Proverbs chapter 7. The last few Proverbs have all been warning about sexual immorality, sexual impurity. This is a father speaking to his son, warning about immoral women. This reminder from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 7. Follow my advice, my son. Always treasure my command. Obey them and live. Guard my teachings as your most precious possession. Tie them on your fingers as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Love wisdom like a sister. Make insight a beloved member of your family. Let them hold you back from an affair with an immoral woman, from listening to the flattery of an adulterous woman. I was looking out the window of my house one day and saw a simple-minded young man who lacked common sense. He was crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman. He was strolling down the path by her house at twilight, as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. The woman approached him, dressed seductively and sly of heart. She was the brash, rebellious type who never stays at home. She is often seen in the streets and markets, soliciting at every corner. She threw her arms around him and kissed him, and with a brazen look she said, I've offered my sacrifices and just finished my vows. It's you I was looking for. I came out to find you, and here you are. "'My bed is spread with colored sheets of finest linen imported from Egypt. "'I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. "'Come, let's drink our fill of love until morning. "'Let's enjoy each other's caresses, for my husband is not home. "'He's away on a long trip. "'He has taken a wallet full of money with him, "'and he won't return until later in the month.' "'So she seduced him with her pretty speech. "'With her flattery she enticed him. "'He followed her at once.' Like an ox going to the slaughter, or like a trapped stag awaiting the arrow that would pierce its heart. He was like a bird flying into a snare, little knowing it would cost him his life. Listen to me, my sons, and pay attention to my words. Don't let your hearts stray away toward her. Don't wander down her wayward path, for she has been the ruin of many. Numerous men have been her victims. Her house is the road to the grave. Her bedroom is the den of death. End of reading, Proverbs 7.
0: You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollars.
2: Oh, great song reminder of the wonderful stories, the parables that Jesus told. I remember there were 3 lost things. There was a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. These simple stories that Jesus told about everyday occurrences in life, they taught such important lessons. The lost sheep, remember the man who had 99? He had a nice herd of sheep, wealthy man, and one was lost and he left the 99 and he went out to find that one lost sheep. I love that story because so often I feel like that one lost sheep, that one that got off the track that was not supposed to be in the herd, wasn't supposed to make the cut, and yet he took time to find me. If you're one who's come to Christ in faith, you feel that sense of awe that God loved us enough to seek us and save us. And what a beautiful song, a reminder of that beautiful story that Jesus told in the Gospel of Luke, which we are reading these days. We're going to pick up right now in Luke chapter 20. We have followed the life and ministry of Jesus all of these three and a half years or so. We have seen him come into Jerusalem for the Passion Week, The last week of his life, he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey and then he spends that week going back and forth between Jerusalem and Bethany with his friends, Mary and Martha. He comes into the city each day to teach each day, but Wednesday, Wednesday, we're not quite sure what he did. He may have stayed there with his friends, but he's coming down to this last days when he is going to be betrayed by his disciple and then turned over to Roman authorities for crucifixion. But he will rise from the dead, as he has been telling his disciples he would. They just haven't gotten it. I'm not sure I would have understood it either, to tell you the truth. Let's go to the Bible life. Luke 20:45 through 22:53. Luke 20. Then, with the crowds listening, he turned to his disciples and said, Beware of these teachers of religious law, for they love to parade in flowing robes and to have everyone bow to them as they walk in the marketplaces and how they love the seats of honor in the synagogues and at banquets. But they shamelessly cheat widows out of their property, and then, to cover up the kind of people they really are, they make long prayers in public. Because of this, their punishment will be greater. Luke 21 While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people putting their gifts into the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two pennies. I assure you, he said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. Some of his disciples began talking about the beautiful stonework of the temple and the memorial decorations on the walls. But Jesus said, The time is coming when all these things will be so completely demolished that not one stone will be left on top of another. Teacher, they asked, When will all this take place, and will there be any sign ahead of time? He replied, Don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name, claiming to be the Messiah, and saying, The time has come, but don't believe them. And when you hear of wars and insurrections, don't panic. Yes, these things must come, but the end won't follow immediately. Then he added, Nations and kingdoms will proclaim war against each other. There will be great earthquakes, and there will be famines and epidemics in many lands, and there will be terrifying things and great miraculous signs in the heavens. But before all this occurs, there will be a time of great persecution. You will be dragged into synagogues and prisons, and you will be accused before kings and governors of being my followers. This will be your opportunity to tell them about me. So don't worry about how to answer the charges against you, for I will give you the right words and such wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to reply. Even those closest to you, your parents, brothers, relatives, and friends will betray you. And some of you will be killed, and everyone will hate you because of your allegiance to me. But not a hair of your head will perish. By standing firm, you will win souls. And when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then you will know that the time of its destruction has arrived. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills, let those in Jerusalem escape, and those outside the city should not enter it for shelter. For those will be days of God's vengeance, and the prophetic words of the Scriptures will be fulfilled. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for mothers nursing their babies! For there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. They will be brutally killed by the sword or sent away as captives to all the nations of the world. And Jerusalem will be conquered and trampled down by the Gentiles until the age of the Gentiles comes to an end. And there will be strange events in the skies, signs in the sun, moon, and stars. And down here on earth the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. The courage of many people will falter because of the fearful fate they see coming upon the earth. Because the stability of the very heavens will be broken up. Then everyone will see the Son of Man arrive on the clouds with power and great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, stand straight and look up, for your salvation is near. Then he gave them this illustration. Notice the fig tree or any other tree. When the leaves come out, you know without being told that summer is near. Just so, when you see the events I've described taking place, you can be sure that the kingdom of God is near. I assure you, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these events have taken place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will remain forever. Watch out! Don't let me find you living in careless ease and drunkenness and filled with the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware as in a trap, for that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. Keep a constant watch and pray that if possible you may escape these horrors and stand before the Son of Man. Every day Jesus went to the temple to teach, and each evening he returned to spend the night on the Mount of Olives. The crowds gathered early each morning to hear him.
0: You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
2: Luke 22. The festival of unleavened bread, which begins with the Passover celebration, was drawing near. The leading priests and teachers of religious law were actively plotting Jesus' murder. But they wanted to kill him without starting a riot, a possibility they greatly feared. Then Satan entered into Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve disciples. And he went over to the leading priests and captains of the temple guard to discuss the best way to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted that he was ready to help them, and they promised him a reward. So he began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus so they could arrest him quietly when the crowds weren't around. Now the festival of unleavened bread arrived when the Passover lambs were sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, Go and prepare the Passover meal, so we can eat it together. Where do you want us to go, they asked him. He replied, As soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is the place. Go ahead and prepare our supper there. They went off to the city and found everything just as Jesus had said, and they prepared the Passover supper there. Then at the proper time, Jesus and the twelve apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have looked forward to this hour with deep longing, anxious to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat it again until it comes to fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine, and when he had given thanks for it, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. Then he took a loaf of bread, and when he had thanked God for it, he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper he took another cup of wine and said, This wine is the token of God's new covenant to save you. An agreement sealed with the blood I will pour out for you. But here at this table, sitting among us as a friend, is the man who will betray me. For I, the Son of Man, must die since it is part of God's plan. But how terrible it will be for my betrayer. Then the disciples began to ask each other which of them would ever do such a thing. And they began to argue among themselves as to who would be the greatest in the coming kingdom. Jesus told them, In this world the kings and great men order their people around. And yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, those who are the greatest should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Normally the master sits at the table and is served by his servants, but not here, for I am your servant. You have remained true to me in my time of trial, and just as my father has granted me a kingdom, I now grant you the right to eat and drink at my table in that kingdom, and you will sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to have all of you, to sift you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen and build up your brothers. Peter said, Lord, I am ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. The rooster will not crow tomorrow morning until you have denied three times that you even know me.
0: You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
2: Then Jesus asked them, When I sent you out to preach the good news, and you did not have money, a traveler's bag, or extra clothing, did you lack anything? No, they replied. But now, he said, take your money and a traveler's bag, and if you don't have a sword, sell your clothes and buy one. For the time has come for this prophecy about me to be fulfilled. He was counted among those who were rebels. Yes, everything written about me by the prophets will come true. Lord, they replied, we have two swords among us. That's enough, he said. Then, accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, Pray that you will not be overcome by temptation. He walked away, about a stone's throw, and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. At last he stood up again and returned to the disciples, only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping, he asked. Get up and pray, otherwise temptation will overpower you. But even as he said this, a mob approached led by Judas, one of his twelve disciples. Judas walked over to Jesus and greeted him with a kiss. But Jesus said, Judas, how can you betray me, the Son of Man, with a kiss? When the other disciples saw what was about to happen, they exclaimed, Lord, should we fight? We brought the swords. And one of them slashed at the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, Don't resist anymore. And he touched the place where the man's ear had been and healed him. Then Jesus spoke to the leading priests and captains of the temple guard and the other leaders who headed the mob. Am I some dangerous criminal, he asked, that you have come armed with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there every day. But this is your moment, the time when the power of darkness reigns. End of reading, Luke 20:45 through 22:53.
1: My soul is lying the ground. It's
0: like the so, I know like the of Jesus. this is the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar.
2: in better hands now. That's exactly right. This is the Soapster. You're listening to the Bible Live. Hear this record that God has inspired, God breathed, preserved by him for us to know about his redemptive plan. The second person of the Trinity, the very Son of God, God himself, came voluntarily and became a man. Jesus, the Messiah, came into the world, limited himself with all the limitations of mankind, of manhood. That is one of the great lessons of the Gospel of Luke. He was a real zygote, he was a real embryo, he was a real fetus, he was a real child. He went through every stage, every function, entirely and totally and completely. He was not just looking like a man. He was a real human being, limited totally and entirely as a human being. He did not have the sin nature, the inherent, irrevocable, irresistible tendency to selfishness and sin. You may think immediately, well, that's a huge advantage. It's not a particular advantage. It's the difference of Adam and Eve and us. Adam had that same advantage and still fell into sin. Jesus just did not have that irrevocable, irresistible tendency to sin, the sin nature that came from being a child of Adam and Eve. We were all genetically in Adam and Eve. Jesus was not. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, the beginning of a new race of humanity. Because he kept the faith, because he remained obedient, submissive, and trusting in the Father throughout all of the years of his life, through every stage and every moment, he then became the firstborn of a new creation, a new race, the twice-born. We trust in Christ and receive that salvation, and we are born again as well and have a new nature placed within us. We still have to struggle with that old nature, those old tendencies, those old thought patterns, those old habits. And the Spirit of God is working within us to take them out. That's the process of sanctification. He is renewing us by His Word and by His Spirit. And yet we are indeed akin to the firstborn of the new race, our Savior, our elder brother in that sense. It comes down to this moment, this week of his life. Now, he's been giving selflessly of himself committing and submitting himself to the Father perfectly all of these years. As a child, teenager, as a young man, taking responsibility for his family and so on. But when he entered into his ministry, of course, it becomes intensified, and we get a picture of him walking out the perfect life of faith and obedience to the Father. So that's what we're watching. And here we are in the last week of his life. With this opening salvo here, he tells this story about the wicked farmers, how they kill the son And then he warns against the religious leaders and their teaching. Now, I love this picture of Jesus watching this poor widow drop in two small coins, given more than all the rest of them. Can we know something about how God views our lives? We're so used to think of kings and queens and presidents and governors and mayors and prominent people, but most of us, millions of us, are just normal workaday John and Mary's. We have our influence at the level that we can. But for most of us, that means family and our neighbors, some friends during a lifetime. How does God view that? On what basis does he evaluate it? And I'm not talking about in terms of fear. If we are children of God, we are comfortable and we are confident that we are going to be with him forever. We are trusting in that. But in terms of him welcoming us with that well-done, good, and faithful servant that we read about the other night in that parable, it's just touching to me that he says about this little insignificant widow that we don't know anything about except this little story right here. She gave all that she has to the Lord. Now, Jesus was standing at this time in the area of the temple called the Court of Women. And in this area, there were seven boxes in which worshipers could deposit their temple tax and the six boxes for freewill offerings, like the one that this woman gave. This little widow lady was not only poor, but had few resources for making money. And in contrast to the way most of us handle our money, this little lady gave all that she had to live on. We consider ourselves generous when we give a small percentage of our income to the Lord. But here Jesus admires the woman's generous and sacrificial giving. We should probably consider increasing our giving, whether it's money or time or talents, to a point beyond mere convenience or comfort. Now, this is not a guilt trip by any stretch. The Lord talks to us very clearly about taking care of our families There is a spiritual and godly priority as well to taking care of one's family. There's nothing sinful or wrong in doing that. Well, in the rest of that chapter, though, Jesus begins to tell about the time of great persecution. They did experience that right after Jesus' resurrection at the birth of the church. They went into a time of great persecution under the Caesars of Rome. So some of these prophecies are fulfilled within the first century. Some of them he is talking about the times of his returning. And he goes back and forth between them. I was just noticing the thing about famines and earthquakes. I was thinking of that when we saw the hurricane in Afghanistan in Chile. And before that was in Haiti. And so we're seeing more and more of these. This temple even now is going to be destroyed. Jesus tells them to know that that is going to happen in 70 A.D. by the Romans. Jesus is telling us he will return. This time of regeneration and sanctification This era will be done with someday. We will move entirely into the phase of glorification when God's people will be resurrected to be with him forever uh, without sin nature, no tears, no pain, no suffering, no sin. Now, the period of the Gentiles, Jesus speaks of here, began with the Babylonian destruction of the temple in 586 B.C. Israel then was no longer an independent nation but under the control of Gentile rulers. And until this very day, it had been that way. In Jesus' day, Israel was governed by the Roman Empire. A Roman general would destroy the city in A.D. 70. The period of the Gentiles refers not just to the repeated destructions of Jerusalem, but the continuing mounting persecutions of God's people until the end. The big lesson for us is to be ready, to be prepared to live faithfully and obediently in the time in which we live. This is our hour, folks. This is our moment to live and shine for the Lord. This is our generation uniquely to have an impact for God. And we have these 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years, whatever God gives us, we need to walk by faith and obedience in the power of His Spirit. Let Him do what He will with your life. Well, the passion has begun. He has been betrayed by Judas, and he will be taken now to a series of trials, illegal, most of them. He's going to be tried before Annas, Annas was the father-in-law of Caiaphas. The Romans had deposed Annas and put in Caiaphas so they could control him. So this is the first time in history you have two high priests. He was no longer the high priest, but he still wielded the power, and Jesus is brought before Annas, and then he's going to be taken before Caiaphas, the ruling high priest, so they can gather evidence for the full high council to hear the following morning. Then uh, trial before the high council child before Pilate, taken to Herod, taken back to Pilate, and then condemned to die. We'll read all about that in our next edition of The Bible, Bible Live.
1: Live with Sophie Dollar. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Sophie Dollars.